Hey, it's Matt. I just got back from the mountains. I'm walking in the brewery today, and I'm going to go over an email that I got. Now, I don't know if I'm going to publish this because I want to get the blessing of the person who emailed me this, but I thought it was really insightful. It was a lot of help, and it's a follow-up to my Facebook ad strategy podcast. So if you're hearing this, then there was a blessing and I was able to publish it. I, and I don't, you know, uh, I don't think that'll be a problem. So you probably will, will hear this. Um, so uh, this person just finished listening to my episode about my Facebook ad strategy, which as an update right now, it's going well. I have, uh, I have about three ads running right now for, on Facebook and Instagram. And I, and I, so what I do, or what I have done at least, is I've split them. So um, essentially what I have it is, because I'm running, I'm not running a separate ad, like I'm not uploading an ad and running it. What I'm doing is, if a post pops off, then I just kind of like, you could call it boosting the post, I guess. I'm just selecting the post as the ad and running it. Now for my understanding, I can't do that, uh, so I couldn't run a single ad set where I was running the placement on Facebook and Instagram because I'm running the post itself. And so I haven't looked into this yet, so forgive my naive, naivete, but um, I think that I have to separate out uh, my placements. So currently what I'm doing is I am running a Facebook version of the ad from the Facebook post. And then I'm running an Instagram version of the Instagram post. And why I like that is because then I can see which placement does better. So this, um, what this person emailed me kind of talks about some of that stuff, but I want to sort of think it out loud and not a rebuttal, but uh, just because kind of like, this is a follow up to that episode in how I'm doing sort of the more back-end stuff, right? So this person says he's been running paid ads for 10 years through Google and Facebook, and I thought I'd give you some tips that'll hopefully help based on what I heard from the first episode. Okay, so first section is revenue in analytics. I assume you're tracking conversions off a thank you slash confirmation page, but can't attribute revenue because you don't know if they've used a coupon code or bought additional products. If that's true, my advice would be to look at last year's revenue by thank you page to calculate the average AOV for each page. You can then apply the average AOV for each page to the conversion event in analytics and get a ballpark revenue number that will help you identify trends at a glance rather than stitching data sources together every time you wanna look at something. I'd also recommend setting up a dashboard to track your AOV and AOV by thank you page so you can monitor and adjust over time. Okay, so that's what they said. And for clarification, and to think this through a little bit more, I'm using Shopify. So Shopify has the AOV number just built into it. Like you could just look up what that is. Now, by thank you page, I do not have individual thank you page for each one of my products. 
That's not something I can do in, in Shopify that I know of without a plugin or without a Shopify app. However, obviously with, with Shopify, I can see sales per thing and I can see it per coupon code. So, uh, you know, the nu- I know, and I know this for sure, the number that is being piped back into Facebook, like the, the actual conversion revenue number, includes the discount. So it's not pumping in the, 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 the regular revenue, it's pumping in what they actually paid. And I know that because I see certain numbers come through and I'm like, well, that is only possible with a coupon code. So that's how I know that. Um, what I don't know in Facebook is what products they actually bought. Now, I can reverse engineer that because I am using tracking codes and I'll, that's the next section of this, of this email. Uh, so I could do that in reverse through Google Analytics and actually through Shopify because Shopify also tracks UTM codes. So UTMs is the second section. You said you were using them, but weren't sure if they were stored. These are my best, these are my best friends on the tracking front. So hopefully you do have access. If you can capture and store UTM data in your CRM, I'd look at dynamic URL parameters. It would give you the ability to track what ad led to, led to each sale and therefore what types of ads you should do more or less of. Google has the same feature. So yes, here is what I'm doing for that. I, and, and, and it's another reason why I like separating the placements between Facebook and Instagram. So hear me out. I have a UTM tracking code that I kind of use for, it's pretty basic. So I have... The UTM tracking code is UTM uh, source, right? That's the first piece of the tracking code. If you're unfamiliar with how to do this, it's very simple. It's basically just, it creates a URL variables at the end of your URL, whatever your landing page URL is in your ads. And then that, those URL variables are fed into pretty much all of the systems. It's fed into Shopify for me. It's fed into analytics for me. I believe it's even fit and it worked and Google does it automatically from my understanding. So I don't have to use tracking codes or UTM tracking codes with Google ads because I believe it's already built in. And I, and I say that because I can go into analytics and actually see that data broken down from Google ads. Right. And I can also see that data broken down in Shopify. Now for Facebook, I have, here's my setup. I have, there's UTM underscore source. I believe that's the actual variable name. And my value is capitalized Facebook or Instagram. Okay, that's my source. I don't say Facebook, you know, ads. I don't say Instagram ads. I just say Facebook or Instagram is my source. And I capitalize it, whether that's right or wrong, I don't care, it works. Okay, then I have uh, the medium. So it's UTM medium. And that is whether to me, whether it's an image or a video, that's that, those are the only two I use. So because on Facebook and Instagram, those are pretty much the only two mediums, but is it a video or is it a, a static image? 
And so I just put capitalized the word video. Now, here's where it gets more nuanced. It's the next section is UTM campaign, all right? Here, I actually just duplicate the name of the ad set that I'm running, not the name of the ad. Um, or I guess it would be the name of the ad. That's it. Because the for me, and this goes into what, this is the next section of uh, what they wrote is the account structure, which I do have, I do take some, not issue in, but I have a rebuttal and, and a thought process there. So I basically have the same name of the ad, which might be, you know, like right now I have one that says like hot tub shock real. That will be the name of the campaign. So I can go into Shopify or Google Analytics and see which ad led to which conversions. But I also see that data in Facebook. Now, I won't see the long-term, right? I won't see that. And I don't have the AOV number calculated out. But that's okay because the way I see it is if... Now, this is the way that I'm like doing it. When I say that my Facebook and Google Analytics ads or Facebook, Instagram, and Google ads are doing well, to me that means that the ads are really close to paying for themselves. And that's all I really care about. So, for example, let's just say, because I don't have this in front of me right now, but let's say that I have an ad or I have a campaign, or I should, in my case, an ad set, which we'll get into structure in a second, that is that I spent $1,000 on in the last week. Let's just say that. And when I look at the conversion data, the conversion revenue for that said ad set, for those set seven days, and it says that it's like 750 or 800, that, to me, that says... Oh, that's pretty good. That means they only paid $200 for those leads. That's what it tells me. So it means that that's the money out of pocket. Now, that's not breaking even. I lost $200, right? But that's not calculating in the AOV, right? Or lifetime value. So I can make the assumption or at least... You know, I could make the assumption, I could do the math, whatever. But to me, $200 a week for however many leads I get is pretty good. It's like really good for me, right? And yes, I'm not breaking even, but that number in Facebook isn't in his uh, email. It is not calculating all of the sales, meaning it's not, it's probably not sending in the upsell data. And it's definitely not sending that data in when we upsell later through email, right? So to me, I'm like, I'm willing to spend 200 bucks a week in ad spend. I, ideally, I would love to make money, right? I would love for the ads to pay, not only pay for themselves, but generate profit. But right now, as I run ads and learn more and more and optimize those, to me, this feels like, okay, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily have to go in and do the AOB calculations, 
or, you know, I could, right? Because I now have been tracking UTM codes long enough to be like, all right, well, how much money do we make from these ads? And, you know, what's the average, you know, again, the, the, the UTMs are only going to track the initial sale. So if I send an email a month later and that person buys something, well, that doesn't count, right? So I just have to go, well, my process better be good where I can sell, you know, all right, so let's, let me backtrack a little bit. Let's say, same scenario, I, I run an ad for seven days and I pay $1,000 to do that, right? But in, in Facebook, it says that I made $800 in revenue, okay, from, from running those ads. And let's say I got 100 leads from that, 100 email addresses, okay? Now, I mean, that's, it, that's, that's probably a low number, but I'm just using round numbers for ease of use. So let's say 10 out of those 100 people bought products that ended up equaling out to $800, okay? So essentially, it has cost me $200 to gain 90 leads who have not bought anything yet or have not bought initially, right? Those 90 people that I paid $200 for have not bought anything immediately. So let's say 30 days go by and out of those 90 people, I can somehow convert 10 more people, right? That, that revenue more than makes up the $200 that I spent, quote unquote, for those leads, okay? To me, that should be my job on the back end. Should I know that? Yes. Am I gonna track it that tightly? No. Because $200 for 90 leads is pretty damn good. And I should have my systems dialed in via email to convert those sales later in life. Now, what's great about, like, we're probably getting a lot of pool signups right now, but it's January, right? And even in Florida, like, are you, like, you're not really swimming in January, you know what I mean? Like, you're really thinking about pool care when, it, when the shit gets really hot out, right? And it's like, Memorial Day, 4th of July, all of the holidays are coming up. So maybe everybody that we're getting right now isn't ready to buy. Great. But come, you know, May, I got 90 leads and I send out an email that's like, hey, we're running a sale and this and that and we have a new product, you know, doesn't account for like announcing new shit, you know, discounting stuff that wasn't discounted originally. You know, they might not buy this course, but they'll buy that course. They might not buy this chemical, but they'll buy that chemical. They might not buy this course, but they'll buy that book. Again, so I, my goal with Facebook ads is to break even, right? That's, that's baseline. Anything above that, I'm happy, obviously, right? But I'm also at this point very happy that I'm spending $200 to get 90 leads. That's, that's, that's how I look at it, all right? Now, going on to account structure is the next section of this email. Each level, campaign, so this is how it works in 
Facebook ads specifically. And I guess it works similarly in Google. But each level, you have campaign, ad set, and then the ad, right? Ad group, you can also uh, think of it like. Has major levels that you can pull. I set up my account to reflect those levers. Product and objective is campaign. Now that is exactly how I have it set up as well. So just to kind of uh, give you a, a broad sense of what's happening here, you have it in three levels, campaign, ad group, uh, ads, right? So for the campaign, that is what are you selling or what do you, or what do you, want, those, what do you want these people to do, right? Essentially, what do you want these people to do? So I actually have, and we talked about this in that, in that episode, I was going to set up four campaigns, right? Which was, you know, buy our pool course, right? So, so it's what is the product and what do you want them to do? Buy, which is what, what you want them to do, product, pool course, okay? That's the objective for that campaign. Buy hot tub course. There's two campaigns. Then there was, you know, Download cheat uh, pool cheat sheet. So that's so I want them to do something. The product in this case is the lead magnet. So what I've decided at the end of that episode, as I was thinking through it, is I don't need the direct sales because I'd rather get somebody to download something from me, and then I do direct sell them after they download that thing. So it is essentially the same thing. And I can see that data in Facebook. So people are downloading my thing, so I'm getting the lead, and they're also buying. So what's great about that specific funnel is that I am not sending people directly to a sales page and then not capturing the lead and only capturing sales. In this case, I'm first capturing the lead I'm capturing their email address, which allows me to do the thing I said earlier, which is sell them on shit later if they didn't buy initially. But then once I have their email address, I pitch them something. And so that data is what's being tracked into Facebook. So that's that $800 in revenue. Great. Good for me, right? Because I got 90 leads for 200 bucks. However, if I were to run a campaign that, that was by pool course, I, I would have spent the money and not had those leads. So to me, that's a better campaign for my business. All right. Now, the second part is the ad set. So that's budget, audience, and placement, right? So how much are you spending? And now you can do that to the campaign level too. That's called a CBO, or it might be called something different now. But essentially you could have a ton of ad sets under one campaign and then let Facebook pick the ad set that works. But in this case, what I'm doing is the campaign is really just, you know, what is my objective? Getting leads for me. And what am I trying to get leads for? Which, whichever cheat sheet. So I have two campaigns. Now, again, ad set, budget, audience, placement. Audience, here's the interesting thing. I don't pick an audience. Target, I, targeting is not something that I do. Um, I could run an ad set 
and, I've, and this is something I plan on trying, because it's worth trying. By the way, if you just heard that kick on, that's my glycol chiller for my uh, beer that I'm fermenting right now. If you heard it. If you didn't hear it, ignore what I just said. Anyway, so, um, so for, where are we, where are we at? Uh, audience, I have tested running two types of ad sets. One ad set is broad, meaning I'm letting Facebook figure this out. I'm not even putting in demographic data, like men or female. I'm not putting in age. I'm not putting in, the only thing I'm really putting in, as far as targeting is concerned, is United States. But honestly, I don't even have to do that. I could do United States. I could do, because of like, because it's a digital product, and I know that customers are coming from Australia, and New Zealand, and Canada, and the UK, and France, and all these other countries, I could put them all together and widen my targeting. But what I'll probably end up doing is running those as separate ad sets so that I can see how well they perform. Because I believe that, you know, Australia might do better right now. And I have not tested that yet because it's their summer right now. So I could be running this same ad, same ad or the same ad set, just instead of targeting United States, target Australia, right? Okay. The third thing is placement, which I had said, I've basically come to the conclusion that from a personal level, I don't want, I don't want Facebook picking this for me. I just decided, you know what? I'm only going to run my ads in the feeds. That's it. Here's the reason for that. If I was running, say, a clothing brand or something that applied, that like appealed to a wide audience base of all ages, of all demographics, I would probably put that, I would let Facebook figure all that shit out for me, right? So I would target a broad audience at first. I would run a campaign where I target a broad audience and broad placement, right? Let Facebook determine where to put that shit, okay? And who to put it to. But I know my audience. They're older. They're on Facebook looking at their feed. They're not looking at stories. Like they're not doing that like TikTok shit, right? So I don't, I don't even run it as a, as a story. And, be, and the other reason I don't run it as a story or the other reason I don't run it as a reel is because if you're watching reels right now and you're older... I guarantee you, because I'm 40, so I'm in the age demographic. I don't, when I'm watching reels and I'm in the reel mode, meaning like if I'm on YouTube shorts or I'm on Instagram reels where the full screen is taken up, not my feed, but where the full screen is taken up and I'm swiping up, whoops, I just swiped, I just swiped up, my pen went flying to the roof. So I'm just constantly sitting there swiping up. I'm not clicking I'm not looking at comments. I'm not clicking descriptions. I'm not clicking view more or shop or any of that shit. So I just go, you know what? If I'm not doing it, they're not doing it. So why even run an ad there? I'm going to run an ad where I know people click for ads, which is the feed. So when I run an Instagram ad set, right? And again, the reason I target just Instagram is because I want to know personally, 
is Instagram the right place for me to advertise? It may not be. Or it might be for some things, but not other things. And so I can see that broken down per ad set. All right. Now, this person writes, personally, I don't love the one ad per ad set because it gets chaotic quickly. And I understand that. Um, But to me, having the layers, like I understand grouping every, so if I'm looking at my campaign, and I know this is hard because you're listening to this, but if I'm looking at my campaign, my campaign, and I'll just use this as an example, is to get hot tub owners to download my hot tub care cheat sheet. That is it, okay? Now, I have multiple ad sets, like, and they will forever grow. And yes, it will get insane, but at least it's just one giant list. And I label each ad set with those three things that you mentioned. So I label it not budget, because budget's in there, but I label it with audience. Well, so what I'll do is I'll name what the ad video is. So I'm basically going, how do I pick what ads to run? We talked about this. If, an ad, if, a, if a piece of organic content pops off organically, naturally, all I'm going to do is essentially create an ad set. I'm going to say, where, is this gonna, where am I going to run it? So is it going to be Facebook or Instagram? Those are my two choices, right? I already know I'm running it in the feed. I've decided that, all right? The second thing I write as the ad set name is what is the ad? So what is the reel? I name the reel something or the video. So in the, I have one going right now that's, uh, I have one going right now that's like hot tub shock, right? It's like how to shock, how to shock your hot tub or should you shock your hot tub or something like that. So it says Facebook dash, should you shop your hot tub, hot tub, and then the audience, I'll just write the word broad. Broad meaning, I might, I might write broad US, right? So then I run that and I can see, without going into a third level, I can just see from that level, is that ad working or not? Right, because I'm, I'm not running an ad where I have multiple cause of action or multiple texts or multiple videos, I have one variable, which is, the, which is the original piece of content, right? And so I wanna run it on Instagram and I go, hmm, that ad works really well on Instagram. Great, let's try it on Facebook. Let's see if, cause it didn't, maybe it didn't pop off on Facebook, it popped off on Instagram, right? So then I go, well, okay, if it popped off on Instagram, maybe it'll pop off on Facebook. So I'll run it a separate ad set, pick that ad that was, you know, pick that piece of content that's already, that's organic, and then just run that and see how that does, right? Yes, it gets chaotic, but the other, and they bring up another point here, which is, which is my, which is going to be my argument, right? So yes, the situation, this is, I'm reading this now. The situation you mentioned where Facebook would just serve one ad is actually a feature, not a bug. That I understand. Their algorithm is determining which ad is is best at achieving your objective. So I usually put all ads in the same ad account and let them duke it out or the same ad set 
and let them duke it out. But, and here's this but in this sentence is the, is the exact reason why I don't agree with it. Or I don't agree with this process. It doesn't compute with my dumb brain. They say, but if you see degrading performance, you can shut it off and flip the rest of the ads back on so they can Royal Rumble. Okay, so essentially, what? <laughs> this is where it doesn't make sense to me. So let's say I have three completely different ads in an ad set, right? Google, or sorry, Facebook figures out that one of those ads is performing the best. Great, those other two ads aren't getting any love. That ad is just fucking crushing. One day, it stops crushing, right? That's what they're saying. There's ad fatigue that happens, right? Okay, well, all I'm gonna see from the ad set level is like, oh, this ad set isn't performing as well as it used to. So now I have to go in to another level and go, hmm, that ad isn't working anymore. But wait a minute, Facebook determined that this one, this one was the best. So what I'm gonna do now is turn off the ad that Facebook already determined was working well and then throw the other two ads on and let them do the same thing. Well, my argument is why do that? Because I can just do that per ad set. I'm doing the exact same thing, except I'm learning way faster. So, I, and I don't have to create multiple ads. I create one ad and I run it for, let's say, 500 bucks a week, right? And, I, and I, I'm okay spending that money because I, the only reason I'm even creating that ad is because I know it did well organically. So that's, I think, a key distinction that a lot of Facebook ad people, of course they're gonna run you know, four or five ads per ad set. They have no idea what will work or not. So of course you wanna give variations. In my case, I kinda already know it works. That's the, that's the difference, I think. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna run that ad set in a very specific place where it already did well. So I'm basically boosting, right? And the difference and the beauty of ads versus organic content, in organic content, there's no button to download shit, right? If I run a piece of organic content that teaches some, some, somebody something, right? Or has a ki killer hook and it just gets a ton of views and a lot of people are sharing it in their stories because it was that good, right? Well, all of those views, yes, they're being exposed to my brand and my face and all of that good stuff, but there's no CTA. Now, we could put a CTA in every single organic piece of content that we create, right? But not that easy to find. Now let's think about Instagram specifically, right? In Instagram, you have your reel and it's in, it's the, the link is buried in the description. So you're, there's, no, there's, there's no button. You have to like click more and see the link and then click that, right? Instagram doesn't want you to do that. So as soon as we start doing that and all, in our organic content and trying to get people off of, our, off of their platform, 
they're not going to serve that to a, a wide audience. Because what we're actively trying to do with that organic piece of content is get them off of Instagram. Now, so we do it where the ad is like, hey, we're just teaching you something. Maybe we throw a call to action at the end, but we probably don't. So what we do is, oh shit, that piece of content did really well. Let's throw a button on it. And that's as simple as I like to think about it, is, hey, this content gets a lot of people to watch. So let's pay to put a download now button on that piece of content. That's all we're doing. And so we run it in the platform that makes where it originally popped off. So we're boosting it to more people. Now I'm doing it broad, okay? I had one comment recently on an ad that I've been running for a couple of weeks. And that one comment was like, man, Facebook keeps serving me this, I think it was Instagram actually. Instagram keeps serving me this ad. I hope one day I get a pool. <laughs> so it's like, all right, this person commented and doesn't even own the thing that we're, you know, so Facebook fucked up and did not serve that to a person who owns a pool, right? So this is where my testing of nuance comes in handy. Being able to set my ad sets to, to me, I, there's two, I don't need, and this is why I say dumb brain, I hate having all of the variables buried under, buried in levels. For example, let's say I have this ad that's working really well. And I go, okay, this ad is working well. Facebook, on Facebook, right? Targeting broad, a broad audience. Great. I have that number. I can see it all right in one view. So I duplicate that ad set because I want the same exact ad to run. But this time, I want to run it not just to Facebook, or I want to run it on Facebook, and I want to run that ad, but instead of a broad audience, I want to retarget my audience. So run it as a retargeting camp campaign. So I could simply write, okay, we have, and again, if you're looking at my ad set naming convention, it would be Facebook, name of ad, or I could, you know, it depends on the order, it doesn't matter. Facebook, name of ad, right? Or name of medium, video, static image, whatever it is, have a succinct name. And then who are you targeting? So in my case, for, for all my recent examples, the word has been broad. Now I could put broad US, but, but broad to me, I could put broad US, got it. Then I could put, I could duplicate that ad set. So same ad, same placement, but now I'm gonna do retargeting, which to me means I'm just retargeting my audience, which I do have set up and I can do. That audience is way smaller though than the broad audience. So I might get a lower cost per lead on that, but that ad is gonna fatigue faster because I'll have reached the audience so fast that it's done. So what's nice about that ad set is I'll see it. I'll just go, all right, I'm gonna run this for a week at like 500 bucks to my own audience 
and see how it performs against the one that I'm running to the broad audience. Great. Yes, so I can see where that gets chaotic, but I'm going to be constantly running things for like a week, two weeks, maybe a month max, and then that content, that ad, is probably going to fatigue no matter what. But as long as I have constant organic content that pops off, which is what we should be doing is our job, then I should have a constant stream of new ads to run against on different platforms to different audiences. And for me, I think it's really simple. There's a combination of only two audiences. There's like broad targeting in a certain region, right? So broad US, broad Australia, broad Canada, etc. right? I could probably even combine North America. So it's Canada and you know, United States, which for me, going into Google Analytics and finding out where the hell our um, visitors are coming from, that's, that's how I know those countries, right? So I could just try to do that. So broad Australia, but retargeting, I'm not going to retarget and then also put the country in place because I want the biggest audience in my retargeting, okay? That is my rebuttal against account structure. And I would understand, I understand why you would have multiple variables, like multiple ads, if you didn't know something was already gonna work. Uh, yes, I, in that case, I would want, like let's say I had five different variations of a video or, you know, five different like text. If I was creating the ads within the platform, right, and I wasn't just quote unquote boosting existing content, then yes, that would make sense. I might as well create three or four versions. You know, maybe it's four different primary texts, you know, two different calls to action buttons, or, you know, I tried a hot tub shock video versus a hot tub rise and pH video versus this other video. That makes sense because I'm spending that money. I'm going to want multiple, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna run multiple ads and I'm gonna let Facebook figure out really fast which ad will pop off. However, in my particular case, because I'm running ads that are already popped, I feel like I don't need to do that. Hope that makes sense. And maybe I'm wrong, but that's, it's just easy right now for my brain to understand that. Now, uh, yeah, so two more sections, okay. Tracking, you definitely need the view that you were talking about, looking at stats, clicks, costs, revenue, by platform. I'd also look at how long it typically takes for a lead to purchase something. All of the purchasers, what is the difference between the first purchase date and the lead date? That will give you an idea of how long you need to wait to judge effectiveness rather than an arbitrary six months. I'd also look at, well, let's talk about that for a second before I get to the next section. I could do that. I actually know the answer already. It's immediately. <laughs> I don't, uh, I know how long the average life cycle, I did this once, it, it could change, but the average life cycle 
of an email subscriber is about a year. And then they unsubscribe for whatever reason. Maybe they've mastered pool care and they're like, well, I don't need tips anymore. We did that a long time ago. I could probably revisit that or just look in Clavio and it'll probably tell me somewhere, right? Um, lead to sale, that number. I have thought about doing that. I think I talked about it where I was like, oh, I could probably create a segment in um, Clavio based on source and look at how long it takes for somebody to, become, you know, the day that they buy, or sorry, the day that they're created versus the day that they buy. I'm actually sure that all of that is tracked in Clavio. But I'm, I, I, I'm less worried about that. I'm more worried about getting the ads to break even. If I can get ads to break even, right? And I'm also doing organic content and growing that way. I, I kind of don't care because all I'm really doing is paying for more eyeballs. Do I really need it to like be profitable? No, because I already know that the act will be profitable. I, you know what I mean? There's like a feeling there. <laughs> it may be stupid, but that's, but if I can get my ads to break even because all of my products are mostly digital, it's like, if I can see that number, then I'm like, oh, well then that's how much it costs. There's no margin I have to calculate. That's it. So again, if, if I spend $50 in an, on an ad and it makes $50, well, then that's how much it made. That's how much money went into my pocket. Minus minor fees, you know, maybe it's really 45, but I'm like, oh, I just spent $5 and I got all these leads. I could spend that same amount of money somewhere else, like creating content, which we're already doing. So to me, this is like hiring a person to scale content for us. So it's almost an expense that I'm willing to just accept is an expense. And the cheaper that I can get it, so this is my thought process here. And again, if I'm wrong, okay, great. I learned something. But the way I'm thinking about it is, okay, let's say I'm, I, would, I would spend $2,500 a month to hire somebody to publish our content on social media, right? That's, people do that. Let's say I spend 5,000, okay? Let's say I spend $5,000 a month for a social media expert person, okay? That person's job was to grow our social media channels. I could do that, but I don't have to because it's already in-house. We already, that's already our business model. So essentially what I'm thinking is, okay, well, here's what I'll do. I'll, I'll, I'll quote unquote, air quotes, hire a social media grower. To me, that's just $5,000 per month spent against ads or spent on ads, which is growing our social media channels. 
Like it's, I see it. It's guaranteed. It's not, I'm not hoping that I hired the right person and they're doing a great job. We are doing that. Like the, the ads either, they tell the story or not. It's like either it worked or it didn't. So that's the way that I'm looking at it is this, these ads are just an expense for us and the cheaper I can get it, the better. So we're spending, we might be spending $5,000 a month on ads, but because of that effort, we're making, let's say 3,000, okay? So really, I just spent $2,000 a month for basically a ton of leads and social media growth. That's a pretty good deal. Now, my job, which is really simple, and this is why I talked about this. This is a simple process for me. I'm not trying to be, you know, like this is, you know, the email is coming from somebody who does this, right? This is a full-time job if you make it. Especially if you're not doing social media at all and this is your own, or you're not doing any other forms of marketing. You're not doing SEO. You're not publishing on, you know, social media consistently. You're not sending out emails consistently. You know, you're not publishing on YouTube and have a huge following. Yeah, if your business lives and die by the ad, by advertising, direct mail advertising, et cetera, then yes, you need somebody full-time to do that. That's 100%. I totally get that. For us, that's not, this is extra. This is extra eyeballs. This is boosting, right? That's all, that's all, that's all I'm thinking about it as. Now, second part of that is, I'd also look at purchases by channel. What percentage of your purchases come from email? If it's a very high percentage, I think it's a safe bet to lean into lead gen in your ads. And so the answer to that is yes. (laughs) I can see now with Clavio, which has been crazy helpful by the way, and and specifically Clavio mixed with Shopify. I log into Clavio and it's like, Here's how much this ad, this, this, this automation made you this week. Oh, great. That's awesome. And it's like, here, you know, here's your campaign you just sent. It made a thousand bucks. Oh, that wasn't even a sales campaign. That was just, that was just a newsletter that I threw in at the, at the end, you know, a pitch to our product, a soft pitch. Great. And then in the, in the, on the dashboard, it shows you just how much, it basically proves to itself that the software is worth it. I've seen no other email company do this. I've seen and maybe Drip or somebody like MailChimp that, that, that's highly connected with an e-commerce platform, but because it's so ingrained in the Shopify space, it can show you that. It can show you how much money an email campaign, every single email campaign I send out, every fucking one of them has made at least $100 or more. Now, that may not sound like a lot, right? But those, even if it made 100 bucks, it's usually just like an, a newsletter. Like I just sent an email. Now, if I actually make a sales letter and like send an email that is specifically pitching a product, it's way higher. 
for obvious reasons. But it basically proves to me, and what's great for Clavio, it's like, oh, well, Clavio is worth this amount of money, right? If I spent, and again, Clavio is not cheap for me. I'm spending $1,500 a month. It's the most expensive software that I pay for. Hands down, buy a fucking mile, right? But when I log in, it's like, yeah, but you made 5000 just from just from sending emails. Oh, well, that more than paid for itself, didn't it? And hmm, if I just sent more emails and specifically sales pitch emails, I'd probably make more than 5000 So yeah, that's why I'm like, well, why would I ever do direct? Let's just go right to email because with email, at least for my company, I'm all about for me, building as much trust as humanly possible because what I'm selling is education. So you have to trust me in order to want to buy my courses. If I was just selling, you know, generic pool and hot tub chemicals, which I also do, but if that's all I was doing, I probably wouldn't need the lead. Like I would get the, I'd rather get the sale And then with the sale comes the lead and then I could sell you more things. But I'm just not interested in having a newsletter because what am I, I, what I'm selling is just, you know, a chemical. Like you need it, you need it or you don't need it. Where with education, it's like, you probably need this, but who's to say that I'm the right person to to, to, to sell you this? You know what I mean? Where it's like, yeah, you buy pool chemicals at Walmart. Like, who, who cares who the vendor is? But for courses, it absolutely matters. I think it's why Masterclass does so well. It's like, yeah, do you want to learn how to cook ribs from Aaron Franklin? Like, fuck yeah, I do. In fact, there's nobody else I'd rather learn to cook brisket from. Like, duh. Trust. That's, that's how we're approaching it. And... Spending money on ads, regardless of whether you buy or not, that's, those ads are not sales pitches. And that's, I think, the other part of it. And, and, and what I think is really cool about it, for me at least, I'm learning that the ads that we're running, it's just our content. It's just education. So, and then people are also going like, oh, this thing's free. Like, I'll download it. Oh, they have a course. Like, that was, yeah. Great. It's all connected. Now, if we were pitching, uh, if we were doing a sales pitch in those ads, then yeah, I mean, one, I think it would tank. I think if I was just pitching the, like the, the cheat sheet and the whole ad, that was the whole video, was just, by the way, if you own a pool, download our cheat sheet. Here's what you'll get, blah, 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 blah. Like that's a full-on advertisement. That's a sales pitch. But what we're doing is, again, boosting organic content and sticking a download button on that content. We're paying for that download button. And it's working right now. So again, I hope that I can get it lower. <laughs> you know, I can, you know, and that may be better upselling. Who knows? There's, there's multiple ways I could do that. Better, better ads, you know, better pop-offs. You know, that means, that means us creating better content organically. That's where the real work, I think, is going to take place. And the ads, it's, 
there, there's no skill to it. It's just pay money to get it to more eyeballs, please, for fuck's sake. That's all. Okay, now, finally, retargeting. And this is the one thing I'm not doing yet, but I'll, I'll read this and we'll get into it. With a large database, maybe it makes sense to run purchase ads against a retargeting list of all of your leads rather than against cold traffic. You'd have more trust from this audience, so your conversion rate should be higher. And they write, sorry for the essay, haha, love this stuff. And I love it too, and thank you for this email, because it was super helpful to think through it and to solidify my position, but also to think about this retargeting thing. So I hear what you're saying. What I would probably do is, so retargeting is interesting because there's a couple ways you could retarget. And, I, and I've had issues with this, but maybe you, can, maybe you have more insight to this, but let's think it through. Okay, so for me, I have people who have visited my website. That's one level of retargeting. And that's a really simple one. And what's great about that retargeting is that it's separated. So I know if they visited a pool article or a hot tub article. So I can separate them as different retargeting audiences, right? So it's like people who visited a pool article in the last 180 days or whatever, that is a retargeting audience. And my biggest one, okay? Then there's people who subscribe as a pool owner, right? So that I do know also, thanks to Clavio, that automatically updates my custom audience in Facebook. Now that audience is much smaller, right? So for example, let's say I have 100, no, let's use a smaller number. Let's say I have 10,000 hot tub owners on an email list, right? Let's conservatively say that out of those 10,000 people, 25%, I'll be really conservative. 25% of those people are active on Facebook. It might be lower. So that just, that means that that audience size is 2,500 people. Not a huge audience, but those ads would be very different because they already know who we are. So those ads, and that's a different uh, campaign, by the way. So that campaign could be, you know, buy pool course, okay? So it's, and then the ads themselves are just fucking right hooks to the face with buy the goddamn pool course. You're already on our email list. Like, we've sent you a bunch of emails, you know, why not, why aren't you buying, blah, blah, blah. The reason, as I say that out loud, I'm a little bit like, eh, that may not be worth the effort, simply because I'm doing that via email, which is way, which, is, which you're way more captive in that moment, and probably more likely to buy than me running an ad to you, interrupting your Facebook ex-girlfriend stalking habits on, you know, on Facebook essentially. So, and those audiences are so much smaller, but yes, it wouldn't cost me that much. So like 
in order to avoid ad fatigue, I'd probably only run it at like $5 a day. And then obviously that audience keeps churning, right? Because it's like you're adding new people, you know, every month. And you're running this tiny ad that's like, hey, buy this thing. That, that's definitely worth trying. And I think running it slow, like starting it at a super low, you know, daily spend and just seeing how it works. And those, unfortunately, would have to be like, I'd have to create ads on that. You know, I, I wouldn't be able to run things that already popped off. So in, the, in that specific case, yes, I would think back to the earlier part of the conversation where we talked about running multiple ad variants under an ad set. So the ad set there, and I would probably let Facebook determine the placement. Like I would do all of that where it would be like, all right, it, it placement, I don't care where you put it, but here's the ad. And then here's what we're retargeting. So that's it. And I think that was all good. Thank you for that email. And Hey, if you have more information you want to send my way, or you think I, you know, need to think this through a little bit more, please let me know. Or if you gain any value out of it, email me mad at moneylab.co. Okay. In that case, we'll call it a day. Bye-bye.